Welcome to the Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Get in on the conversation. Call 1-877-669-1292. And I'm Howie Silbiger. Welcome to the program, the Howie Silbiger Show, right here on the True Talk Radio Network. I am so happy to be here with you. I, uh, I invite you to call in. I invite you to join in on the conversation. The number to dial, number to call, if you want to talk to me, number to call is one 669 1292 That's one 669 1292 Well, the world's gone a little crazy. The world has gone completely insane, if, if you ask me. And uh, I, I think it's something we have to talk about. I think it's something we have to we have to look at, we have to talk about, we have to decide if the craziness that we're seeing around the world today, particularly in, in, in the United States, is justified craziness or if this is just uh, this is just something uh, something out of the ordinary. So so this is something we've got to discuss. Uh, I know there are varying opinions. A lot of people have different opinions on this and um, and I, I respect I respect your opinions. Now, now I, I'm the kind of guy who can respect other people's opinions, and you don't have to agree with me, and I can respect the fact that we don't agree. I, I'm that kind of guy. Uh, there's a lot of other people who can't fathom the fact that there are people who disagree with them, and therefore, uh, therefore try to belittle you or try to destroy you, as they say today. Uh, I'm going to destroy you because of your argument. I'm going to destroy you because, uh, because you're a racist. I'm going to destroy you. That's what they tell me today. So, you could try to destroy me. I'm not afraid of being destroyed. You could, uh, you could argue with me. We could have a conversation. Uh, any way you want this to go, this could uh, just go any way you want. And that's fine with me. I, I'm very happy to, uh, to accommodate you in, in whichever format that you want to engage. So, if you want to send me a Facebook message um, or, a, uh, or a Twitter message or a... Um, or an, uh, a Facebook, Twitter, or a uh, YouTube message. You could do that because it's leaving, streaming live on YouTube, Facebook, and uh, and Twitter. Or you could uh, you could call in one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. Is there racism in the world? Yes, there is racism in the world. Yes, there is no question that there is racism. Is the racism the is the racism directed at a, any particular group of people? Yes, people who are different uh, are are generally the subject of racism. Not necessarily people who are different colors, not necessarily people who are different ethnicities. Uh, people who are different in general are, are the ones who are the target of hatred. This is where hatred comes from. Hatred comes from the fear of the unknown. Hatred comes from uh, people who, who want to subjugate other people because they're different than they are. So, let's go back a couple of months because I, I think it's important to understand how we got to where we are today. So, let's, let's rewind a few months, uh, maybe even a couple of years. And look back at this whole argument when it came to uh, when it came to gender. This is where it's this is this is usually where where things start, uh, where society starts breaking down. And, and once society starts breaking down, then we end up into in situations as we have today, where where society has totally broken down in certain parts of North America, and uh, and it's going to take a lot to rebuild it, and it's going to be very unpopular to rebuild it. 
let's also keep in mind, because this is also an important point that, uh, that ba barely anybody's making, but it's actually a really important point, is the fact that this is an election year and it is an American election in a few months. And turmoil before an American election is normal operating procedure. Trying to make a president unpopular, a, a popular president unpopular before an election, is not something that, um, that is foreign to politics. So the fact that this is happening just before an American election, the fact that there are riots in the streets, that places, that uh, cities are being burned down, that statues are being pulled down, that people are going nuts just months before an election, shouldn't surprise anyone. Donald Trump has been a, a fairly popular and a fairly unpopular president, depending on which spectrum of the, uh, of the political circle you look at. And this division between his popularity and his unpopularity uh, is uh, is a reason why some of these uh, events are happening now. Look, we you know racism in America is not new; it's not a new phenomenon. And as uh, as racist activists, anti-racist activists, like to point out, uh, there have been uh, numerous, at, le at least, Black Lives Matter. As, as people associated with this, this racist, Marxist, uh, uh, fascist movement, uh, people associated with this movement, they, uh, they like to point out, and they have a long list of, uh, of black people killed by the police uh, over the last few years. So this is not a new thing. So why did it blow up right now? The only reason it blew up right now is because political activists are trying to get rid of the president. They want the president to go away. Simple as that. Uh, and they made it clear. The leader, one of the leaders of Black Lives Matter was on CNN just, uh, just a week ago. And she said very clearly, our goal is to get Donald Trump out of office. Not at the next election, she said. Get him out of office now. That is the goal. So if that's the goal, then what happened to the goal of Black Lives Matter? What happened to the goal of, uh, of changing the system to, to save people who are being killed? Well, well, that goal was secondary to start with. And that's the issue, and that's one of the issues I have with the Black Lives Matters movement. I believe, and I know, I understand, there are many people who have gone to the streets, many people who have gone to protest, who are very sincere about the movement, who are very sincere about the cause, not even the movement, about the cause. That they want equality, they want, they want people to live in peace and harmony, they want people to be, have to look over their shoulders and have to worry when they call the police. I, I, I understand there are a lot of people who are very sincere and are joining these protests sincerely because they believe they can make a difference through civil disobedience or through, uh, or, or through just, just general information by providing information. They can make a difference in the world. And, and I respect that because I've been there and I've done that. And I respect people who go out and are sincere about a cause and go out and actually, and actually try to initiate change. The, the problem I have with the Black Lives Matter movement, the problem I have with it, is twofold. N number one, there are a bunch of radical, trained Marxists, and they admit it. I mean, you can look all this up. Anything I'm telling you right now, you can look up. It's all readily available. Uh, just Google it and look it up. It's there. The Black Lives Matter movement, the leadership of Black Lives Matter, the movement, have, uh, have made it very clear that they're trained Marxists, that their goal is to destroy the presidency of Donald Trump and to ensure that he doesn't get elected again, but trying to get him out of office now, is to, uh, 
is to destroy history and to change America from a free market society to a, a socialist Marxist society. This is their stated goal. And if you go and you look and you listen, this is what they are saying. Now, I've said this before on the show, and I'm going to continue saying this uh, because it is the truth, that when my enemies tell me that this is what they want to do, when people tell me, activists tell me, and politicians tell me that this is what they want to do, I tend to believe them. Why do I believe them? Because history has shown me, and, and this is the importance of learning history. This is the importance of, of having a good education system that teaches history. This is the importance of not ripping down monuments and not ripping down history and hiding history in the basements of some museum somewhere. This is the importance of having history up front and center so that lessons of history are in our faces and we don't tend to, and we don't forget the lessons of history. This is the point of having monuments and statues and, uh, and plaques on the walls so we remember. And the lessons of history have taught me over and over again, and if you look at at, at wars and you look at scenarios over and over again, you will see it is quite clear that when somebody says something, I am going to start a war with you, I am going to kill you, I'm going to annihilate your people, I'm going to destroy you, I am going to outlaw you, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to kill you, whatever they're going to say, they mean it. They mean it. If they say it publicly, they mean it. And there's no reason to doubt them. Why would I doubt my enemy if he's telling me I want to kill you? Why would I doubt him? He means it. And if my enemy means that I want to kill you, and, and my enemy's saying it clearly, I want to kill you, then I take it seriously and I should do everything to protect myself from being killed by my enemy. It's only logical. Any normal person, any rationally thinking person would do whatever they could to protect themselves from the enemy that's coming to kill them. It's, it's only logical. Now, when, when, when a group comes out and says, I want to destroy your way of life. I want to destroy Western society. I don't like capitalism. I don't like uh, Donald Trump. I don't like uh, the United States of America. Uh, when they tell you that the United States of America, which is, by the way, this argument is wholly untrue. When they tell you that the United States of America is built on a foundation of racism, which is absolutely false. But when I tell you that, that is ignorance speaking. That is people who never learned history speaking. And that is something that should be fought from every corner of the world. Everybody should be fighting every corner of the world when I'm talking about America. Every corner of America. Everybody should be fighting against false narratives. American history is not perfect. No history of any country is perfect. Nobody is perfect. There is not one person in the world who's ever lived who is perfect. But to focus on the negative and, and, and get rid of the positive. And, and the thing that really pushed me over the edge in this whole thing uh, was when they started calling Abraham Lincoln a racist and then started insisting on pulling down the emancipation statue. I stopped for a second. They said, okay, we're going to pull down the emancipation statue. It's a racist statue. And I stopped for a second. And I thought about it. And... and I tend to think a lot. This is, this is what I do. And I, st I stopped and I started thinking. Here are a bunch of people who, are, who might have a legitimate complaint about racism in society. They might have a legitimate complaint that there are certain police officers who are racist and they should be weeded out of 
whatever police departments they're part of and should be held accountable for their racism. There is a certain uh, miscarriage of justice, a certain uh, a certain miscarriage of justice when it comes to the justice system. There is a certain um, misuse of power when it comes to the police and to uh, and to prison guards. I, I spoke to a former prisoner just last week. Uh, a former prisoner uh, called into my Israel show to uh, political hitman, and I had him on for a half hour. And we spoke about prison abuse. It was a fascinating conversation. And if you look back. Uh, on, on the profiles, and you look back on Good Israel News Talk Radio, you can hear an archive of that show. It was a fascinating show. Uh, so this stuff might exist. It might exist uh, to a certain extent. It might not exist to the extent that it's being made out to exist because political activists, and take it from a former political activist and a current political activist, tend to exaggerate things in order to, uh, in order to make the point. So uh, it might it might exist in a certain semblance of of existence in the world, and it must be dealt with. But when they went to the emancipation statue, a statue that was put up by former slaves in the time of Abraham Lincoln, who were celebrating the fact that Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation, freeing the slaves from slavery, freeing black slaves from slavery in the United States. And this was a statue that they were calling racist and saying had to be pulled down and destroyed. The statue was paid for by black former slaves. It was, it was put up, it was, it was erected by black former slaves. The speeches given at the dedication of this statue were done by black former slaves. And this was a racist statue that had to be pulled down. And I, I, I thought about it, and I was trying to find a logic, because I understand the logic of, uh, of, of, uh, of people wanting to pull down, let's say, Confederate generals. Okay, fine. The Confederate generals were all traitors to the Americas, and, uh, and the Confederacy was a, was a treacherous act. It, it caused a civil war. It caused, uh, it caused the, the death and the fighting between Americans and, and almost the destruction of the American state. So I, under, I understand that, uh, that you know, pulling down statues commemorating Ameri- uh, Confederate generals uh, makes sense to me. I mean, a country should not be celebrating their usurpers. It, it would be just like uh, uh, Britain putting up a statue honoring George Washington. I mean, that would be kind of stupid, and that shouldn't happen. So that, that didn't bother me. So when, they're pulling down, when they were pulling down Confederate statues, I was fine with that. Get rid of the Confederate flag, no problem. I have no issue with that at all. But when the ignorance of the protesters comes to a head, and when, when you realize how stupid that some of these people are, when they want to pull down a statue that is commemorating the emancipation, commemorating the freedom of slaves, that's when I say, hold on. That's when I say, hold on a second. Judaism is built on remembering events in our history. We understand what, uh, the importance of remembrance. This is, this is what the, the entire religion is based on, remembering. Pulling down that statue will erase a moment in history that should be remembered. It was a good moment in history. It was a moment where, where, where America finally, finally released the shackles 
of an enslaved population. They, they, they were enslaving a population. They released the shackles of that enslaved population and allowed that enslaved population to be equals. I, 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 I'm, I'm beside my... I'm, I'm, I'm almost out of words when I think about people wanting to pull that statue down. Other statues, I understand. Whatever. I don't care. That statue celebrating the freedom of the black people seems quite odd. But that's not the only thing that's odd. The Black Lives Matter is a fascist movement. Now, the people who are on the streets, I'm, not all of them are fascists. There's, there's, there's a few of them that are, but not all of them are fascists. Not all of them want to destroy society. But the ones that actually want to go out and destroy society, they are making the most amount of noise. Today, just today, a group of Black Lives Matter people walked into uh, a Target store in Washington, D.C. and started screaming at them that they were going to destroy the business because the business cooperates with the police. Okay, let's, let's, let's try to be as clear as possible. I, I've said this a hundred times. I'm going to say it again. Because I like to be as clear as possible. I don't like to be misquoted. I don't like when people uh, say I said things that I didn't say or, 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 or think I said things that I, that I didn't say. So let's be as clear as possible. Police are important. Is there problems in the police force? Yes, there's problems in every element of society. The police force is one of those elements of society that there is uh, there might be a problem. Is it systemic? I, I don't think it's systemic. I've gone over this. I think there are bad apples in the police force, but a couple of bad apples or a few bad apples cannot cannot define the entire the entire police force of every of every jurisdiction across the United States. That that's that's ridiculous. So so is there a problem with the police? Uh in certain cases, yes, there's a problem with the police. In, uh, in other cases, no, there's no problem. N hundreds of thousands of police interactions a day with, uh, with society. And, uh, and a hundred, almost 100% of them go without incident. So there's no, I, I don't believe there's a systemic racism problem in the police force. I don't buy that argument at all. The statistics don't show it. The, uh, the, the ideas, the, um, the news doesn't show it. There's, there's no proof that there's systemic racism in the police force. The police, much like soldiers, are the only thing that stands between chaos and society. It's the only thing that stands in the way. Without a police force, we have anarchy. And we saw what anarchy does. Just take a look at some of the footage from three weeks ago, and you'll see what anarchy does. Without the police, you have anarchy. Anarchy is never good for anybody, especially minorities. It's never good for anybody, but especially not good for minorities. Anarchy is horrible for minorities. When you have an anarchist society, and, and this is where Black Lives Matter and, uh, and, and the KKK and the white power groups all kind of meet up. They're all working towards the same, aim, the same goal, anarchy. So that's why you have Antifa, which is, a, which is pretty much a white power group, cooperating with Black Lives Matter because their end goal is the same. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. The end goal is the same. Anarchy. Getting rid of structure, getting rid of uh, governmental structures, getting rid of uh, uh, police structures, and, and total anarchy. You know what happens when you have anarchy? For the white power people of Antifa, what happens when you have anarchy is that you could, um, 
that you could go and you could, uh, you know, start a race war and kill the other races. You know what else happens with anarchy? With anarchy, you have um, you you have drug lords and warlords that that rise up into power, and dictatorships come out of anarchies. And then the entire society crumbles. And whoever the dictator doesn't like, the dictator kills. Look what happened with the Bolsheviks in 1912. And we have to go back into history because you know, we learn from history. History is learning. And, and, and if you don't learn from history, then you're bound to repeat it. George Santayana, a Spanish philosopher, said this. He said, he said it very clearly, and he was 100% right when he said it. Those who forget history are bound to repeat it. So we have to go back and look at history and see what happened in situations that are similar to the situation we're living in. There is, there is no situation that's exactly the same because history evolves and, and people evolve and, and situations evolve. But there are situations that have happened. There are things that have happened in history that are similar to what we're, what we're going through. And if they're similar, then, then let's talk about them. Let's take a look at them. Let's understand that this is not the first time the world is facing a fascist movement that's trying to take over a country. It's not the first time that the world is seeing a demand to defund the police. It's not the first time that political correctness has taken over and tried to destroy society. This is not the first time this has all happened. This has all happened before. Numerous times before. So... It is important to take a look at times when this happened and understand how society evolved after the anarchists won. So let's take a look at the Bolsheviks in the early 1900s. When they killed the Tsar, the Tsar was a horrible dictator in Russia. They killed the Tsar. They, they, they shot him in his cave. He went to hide. They shot him. They, he was dead. The Bolsheviks took over. What happened? Well, essentially... There was rampant unemployment. The Industrial Revolution that was starting to happen in Russia stopped immediately. The Bolsheviks were trying to create a Marxist society, a, a communist society. And uh, the problem with communism is that it looks great on paper. Communism is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful philosophy, political philosophy on paper. It's not such a great economic philosophy on the ground. The reason that, f that communism doesn't work anywhere, and there's only one reason it doesn't work anywhere. The reason communism doesn't work anywhere is because of human nature. You see, human nature is the betterment of self, right? Uh, you, have to, you have to be able to... Uh, human nature, your body and, and your, your psyche, forces you to try to do the best for yourself, to protect yourself, to... Uh, to, to advance yourself, to seek power, to try to be, to try to be, uh, to try to be as as influential as possible. This is human nature, and communism uh, gives a council of people. It's supposed to be a council, never really was. It was always just one person, but it's supposed to give a council of people the control over all the wealth of the entire nation, and those people are supposed to take all this money. And, and, and redistribute it amongst everyone equally. That, that is the idea of communism. So everybody works, everybody throws all their money into the pot, the pot gets redistributed to everybody equally. That is communism. And of course, a little bit of money comes off to pay for some social, uh, so social health care and education and, uh, and, and, and perhaps food or, or something else, whatever other services the government is offering. 
uh, the money comes off the top before it's redistributed to pay for that stuff. And that's where socialism comes from. It's like communism. But uh, th- that is the idea of communism, is that everybody works equally and everybody receives equally. And there's no, there's no bosses and there's no workers. Everybody's on an equal level and everybody contributes to the pot and the pot is redistributed uh, equally to amongst everybody else. Sounds like a wonderful utopian society. It doesn't really work that way. The people on top are generally greedy people. They are people who, who, who enjoy the power. They have the power. They enjoy the power. And they want the power. And when that money comes in, they don't send it back out. That money stays with them. And that's what happened in Soviet Russia. That the, uh, the, the top heavy government uh, was stealing the money from the people. So the money was never redistributed. That's what happened in Cuba. That's what happens in Venezuela. That's what's happening in Venezuela. So that's why communism hasn't worked in any country that's ever tried it. Because while the idea is utopian and, uh, and a great idea, wonderful philosophy, if you ever read the Communist Manifesto, what a wonderful book. In theory, it's a great, great, great political philosophy. Not in practice. In practice, it doesn't work. And it can't work. Because humans are never able to take all the money from the society and redistribute it equally. And if you can't do that, then communism is never going to work. So, when you have a group like Black Lives Matters, and I'm not talking about the um, I'm not talking about the protesters because they, they're probably all sincere. Majority of them are sincere. I'm talking about the actual group, Black Lives Matters, the the group that organized all these protests, and they say that they are trained Marxist warriors. They say that they want to destroy society the way we see it. They want to defund and abolish the police department. Uh, you know, they use this word defund. It sounds much better than abolish. But all the posters and all their honor uh, leaders have called for the abolishment of police. So they want to abolish the police department. They want to abolish the Senate and the Congress. And they want to install in America a Marxist-Leninist society. Plus, they want to rip down all the statues and change the way everyone speaks. And change, and change uh, public society to, uh, to match their current moral values. That's, that's really what's going on. And it's a rebellion happening, planned to happen, just months before a political election where the Marxist-Leninists and the whole left wing want to, want, to, want, to, want to usurp the government and get rid of the president. So all this fits together. This is all works hand in hand. Don't think that anything happens in the United States during an election year that's not pre-planned to, uh, to affect the election. This is all pre-planned. It's not a conspiracy theory. If you go and you watch the... And, you know, people say, Howie, you're you're not peddling conspiracy theories. It's not a conspiracy theory. Go and watch. And watch interviews with the leadership of Black Lives Matter. Just go and watch the interviews. Listen to what they're saying and believe every word of it. Because what they're saying is true. This is what they want to do. 1-877-669-1292. That's 1-877-669-1292. If you want to talk to me, I feel free to call in. I'd love to talk to you. 1-877-669-1292. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show. We're heard live right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Normally, I'm joined by Sheldon Eric Freed. He is off this week, but he'll be back next week. Uh, but uh, I invite you to call in. I invite you to have a conversation with me at 1-877-669-1292. So, now we understand that the social the socialist Marxists want to overthrow the government, they want to take over and usurp the government, they want to abolish the Senate, they want to abolish the Congress. This has all been talked about in the interviews with Black Lives Matter. This is their goal. 
their clear stated goal is that they want Donald Trump out of office now, not at the election time. Uh, so they want to they usurp the government. They want to uh, erase American history. They want to deem everybody a racist uh, aside from them. And they want to uh, defund the police and get rid of the police departments so that we can have anarchy and chaos. This is what they're. Uh, this is this is the goal of these uh, of these protests, and they're doing it all in the election year, to try to convince the uh, the American population not to reelect Donald Trump. Mark my words, and mark it down. Uh, take a piece of paper. Mark my words, that the day after the American election, all this will disappear. You're not going to see any more protests. There are going to be no more riots. This will happen right up to the election, and then the day after the election, this will all stop, because it's all political ploy. It really is. Now, it's the political ploy. I don't mind political ploys if they actually, if they actually initiate change that is beneficial to society. So, if the change that's being initiated now is going to make society a better place, and these people going out there and protesting and uh, and and causing chaos and burning down American cities are actually going to initiate some kind of a change that's going to make the world a better place, that's going to make living in uh, in American society or living in, in in North America a much better experience. Then I have no. Then, then, then it was all worth something. If the only result of these riots and these protests and the burning down of American cities is that Donald Trump is not reelected, then this kind of political ploy is a really dangerous thing to do. Then you are destroying society for a political motive, and that's not really a. Uh, it's not really a smart tactic. Because to rebuild what's being destroyed now is going to take generations. So probably not a smart tactic, and removing the police force is really, really, really not smart. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. So I've been enjoying, by the way, watching Hollywood cannibalize itself. This has been fun for me. Uh, I've, I've, I've started. I've said from the beginning, and. Uh, from the beginning, you can go back into the archives of my show and you'll hear me say this over and over and over again over the last 25 years. I, I don't believe that celebrities should get involved in politics. And I know they always do, but I, I don't believe that celebrities should be involved in politics at all. I think celebrities' jobs, they're, uh, they're paid clowns and this is what they should be doing. They should be uh, entertaining us. They should, not be, they should not be involved in politics. I don't care what a celebrity thinks politically. It's irrelevant to me, and it should not influence me or anybody else, what a celebrity thinks politically. I, I, I don't understand why they would have influence over a political thought anywhere, but they do. Uh, if you read Ben Shapiro's Hollywood Propaganda, the book called Hollywood Propaganda, he outlines very clearly how Hollywood has, has, has created a culture uh, on television and in movies to push a political agenda. It's, it's extremely clear. He interviews a lot of good people, and it's extremely clear on how Hollywood has done that over the years. And we all know that mass media influences a lot of people. This is, this is something that happens, and we know it happens. There's no secret that, uh, that mass media, that, uh, that people see things on television, that people, um, that people hear things on the radio, and they tend to believe them. If you see something and you believe it, and that media manipulates images and, uh, and radio manipulates sound in order to sell a narrative, not necessarily to tell you the story. And, and I can tell you that firsthand. That's, that's 100% true. Uh, as a journalist, uh, growing up and working as a journalist, I, um, I, I've experienced situations where, where you try to cover a story straight and then the editor or the publisher of the paper 
uh, or the radio station or whatever you're working for at the time forces you to change the story to meet some kind of an editorial editorial point of view. This happens. And this happens a lot, and this happens in every media. And I don't care if it's CNN, uh, Fox, uh, MSNBC, anything you're watching, New York Times, this happens in all media. That the publisher and the owner, those who have the money, are, uh, are shaping the narrative. So you may not get the story that you are looking for. You may not get the story that you want to hear. You may not get the full picture if you, um, if, if you believe one media, if you just watch one media source. And it's apparent to me, and I'll, I'll, be, I'll be totally honest, it's always been apparent to me. When people try to argue with me online, and this happens almost every day, where I, I will make it a political opinion and people will come to argue with me, and then they will throw an argument at me, and I will look at the argument, and I will know, just from looking at their argument, that they only watch one news source. And that the information that they have is only from one news source, and they never bother to look up other news sources. I've had people tell me, I'll never look at Fox News. But you know when I watch Fox News? I, I watch CNN, I watch Fox News, I watch MSNBC. You know why I watch all three networks? Because Fox News will give me one perspective on a story. CNN will give me usually the polar opposite perspective on the story. MSNBC is usually radically different than both of the other ones. But by watching the three perspectives and the three different interpretations of the same story, that allows me to understand all sides of the story. And once I understand all sides of the story, then I can make an educated, an educated decision on where I stand in regards to whatever issue they're talking about. If I only watched one network and only got one element of the story and didn't get all the other elements of the story, I would be talking out of context. And a lot of times people argue with me, and while they are sincere in their arguments, and, 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 and I love the fact that they, they, they put themselves out and they try to argue with me, uh, while they're sincere in their arguments, they are not well-rounded in the, in the discussion. They, they're, not, they're, not, they're not knowledgeable of all the points of view of the discussion, of all the information available. And if you're not knowledgeable of all the information available, and then, then it's really hard to argue. It's hard to argue your point. So I watch, I watch three different networks every night. I watch an hour or two hours of each of the networks. And I do that to have a well-rounded perspective. Because it's easy to just watch one network, something you agree with, maybe ideologically. Uh, you kind of lean that way, so you watch the network and you say, ah, that is exactly the way I think. Oh, that's great. When you watch another network and, uh, and, and they challenge your position, it makes you think about your position. So people who tell me that I would never watch Fox News, a lot of people tell me that, I will never watch Fox News. They're alt-right, I was told. Well, so what? So what? What, is listening to their opinion and listening to their point of view going to hurt you in some way? It's only going to help you. It's only going to enhance your knowledge. I, I taught debate for many, many years, and uh, the first thing I taught my debate kids was that if you are going to debate somebody, get out there and learn their side. Learn your side. Know your side really well, but know their side better than you know your side. The only way to win a debate, the only way to win an argument, the only way to understand an issue is to understand both sides of the issue. If you don't understand both sides, you can never understand the issue. So if you only watch CNN, 
and you never turn to Fox News, or you only watch Fox News and you never turn to CNN, or you never watch MSNBC, then you are missing out on the entire side of an issue. And then you could never say that I'm well-rounded and I, I, I could argue this issue backwards and forwards, and you know, you're going to throw something at me, and I understand that, you know, that, that maybe this is propaganda, maybe this is truth, but at least it's out there. And, uh, and that's the problem today, is that people have polarized themselves to a point where they won't look at both sides of an issue. And they won't, they won't educate themselves on, on whatever they're talking about. And that leads you to the situation where you have protesters, mostly white protesters, screaming that they're going to rip down a statue celebrating the emancipation of black people. They're going to rip down a statue celebrating the freedom of slaves. It's mind-boggling. I know it's totally mind-boggling. But it is mind-boggling in a way that makes you think, okay, maybe we have a problem in the education system. Maybe we have a problem in the way we depict uh, heroes. Maybe we have a a problem in the way we teach history. We've dumbed down the education system to a point where, where people don't learn history anymore, where people don't know the past. And now we're ripping down statues and monuments, so now there's no, no visual reminders that the past existed and, and no way for, for someone to point at a statue and say, who is he? And, and pique that curiosity for him for, to go and look at who the, who the statue was about. When we rip apart society, we erase history. We are we are encouraging future generations of children, future generations, future leaders, to be stupid. This is what we're encouraging. And I know somebody. I know. I know somebody sent me that stupid. I mean, I, look, you know, these idiotic memes. Some of them are just just moronic. So they sent me the meme of uh, of some guy chiseling away at the Berlin Wall, and it said. Well, this history was erased, so um, people don't remember the Berlin Wall. Oh, come on, give me a break. It's not what we're talking about. Major events in history are remembered by some people, I guess. But I, I can almost guarantee, and I, I'm willing to wager, and anybody who wants to take me up on this, go out and do, and do this, and uh, I, will, I, will, I will wager with you that the people who are out there protesting the Emancipation Statue couldn't tell you what the Berlin Wall was or why it was important or why it came down or even what year it came down in. I could almost guarantee that the people protesting, 90% of the people protesting, would not be able to answer a question about the Berlin Wall. So yeah, taking down monuments. And by the way, they took down the Berlin Wall, but they left up a piece of it. Why did they leave up a piece of it? Because it's a reminder, a constant reminder that uh, we're never going to allow this to happen again. That's why a piece of Berlin Wall is still standing. That's why monuments are important. That's why statues and plaques are important. When you walk into any institution, any religious institution, uh, in any religion, they have plaques on the wall. Why are the plaques on the wall? To to memorialize people so that people are remembered. So you're walking by and you see a plaque on the wall and you see a name and you say, ah, I remember that guy. So people don't just die and fade away. That uh, their accomplishments, that that their being is remembered. That's why... We have plaques. That's why we have statues. That's why you have monuments. 
one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two is the number to call. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. How do we solve this problem? That is that's the that's the question. That's the crux of the question, isn't it? That's the crux of the issue. How is this problem solved? What do we do to solve this problem? Education is the only way. Now, another argument that was made to me just the other day is that uh, history is written by the by the victors. It's never written by the uh, by the losers. It's always written by the winners. So, how can we trust history? Once again, this is uh, this is where um, this is where it comes up again, right? History is written by the winners. Yes. And the losers in history, the people who lost the war, people who, uh, who, who, who didn't win, don't control the narrative. But when we study history, we understand that this narrative is a one-sided narrative written by, by, the, by the victors. His story. That's, that's, that's why it's called his story. And so by understanding that, we understand that there's a totally different side and totally different point of view. Now, in the majority of cases, not in all cases, but in the majority of cases, when the losers lose, if they're not totally wiped out by the winners, which happens a lot in history, they generally leave a record of their side of the story. So in many of the cases of history, many of the wars in history, we have a, uh, there is a record of, uh, of the winners, the official historical record, and then the losers have a book that they wrote too that uh, that tells their side of the story. And piecing the two sides together generally gives you an idea of what actually happened uh, in that time frame. And so, so history is not lost in time, most of the time. But you have to make the effort to learn it. You have to make the effort to 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 read the beginning of it and to read the end of it and to understand the middle of it. This is an effort. This is a conscious effort that you have to put into. And much like uh, in order to, to, be politically, to be politically active, you really have to know both sides of the issue. You can't just know one side of the issue. Uh, same thing with history. To be historically accurate, you have to know both sides of the issue. So I, I saw a video just before I came on. There was a, there was a video that was uploaded to YouTube uh, of um, the protesters standing in front of the emancipation proclamation statue that they're calling racist for some idiotic reason i want to rip down and there's a there's a a woman who um who is part of a group of uh, of of they call themselves the uh, the order of distinguished black woman and she was standing there and they're dressed up in these in in uh, in, in fancy clothing and and a, a reporter went up to her and said to her why are you here and she said, I'm trying to understand why they're ripping down the statue. Why do they want to rip down the statue? The statue was paid for by black slaves. The statue was, uh, the statue was um, uh, put up to commemorate the freedom of, uh, of black people in the United States. The, 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 the criminalization of slavery. So I don't understand why they want to rip it down, she said. Then, uh, then she said, you know, they, they, these protesters, and most of the protesters, by the way, are white. She says, these protesters, these white protesters are interesting, she says, because if you take a look at the statue, she says, look a little closer at the statue. Sure, the black guy is on his knees, but he's looking up towards freedom. His shackles are broken. 
She says, this is a statue that is that is celebrating the freedom of the black people. Ripping it down should, would just be, just be a criminal. I mean, it, it, is, it is totally ludicrous. But this is where we've come to. This is where the United States has come to. This is where North America has come to. Now, is it safe for minorities in North America? It's not going to be safe for minorities in North America. I hate to, uh, I, I hate to burst the bubble, but North American minorities are in trouble. If the Marxist-Leninists, Black Lives Matter, the fascist group Black Lives Matter, manages to abolish police departments, if that's what happens and they manage to do that, then minorities will be in major, major trouble. The only people that are going to suffer from the abolishment of the police department are minorities. The people that they're trying to protect are the people who are going to be suffering. It is, it is, it is, it is mind-boggling that people want to do this. The, uh, the Germans were highly educated people and then, says one commentator on Facebook, yeah, they were, they were highly educated. But you could see how groupthink takes over in major situations. You're seeing in the States now, it's a, it's a perfect example of how groupthink takes over. First it starts with, um, and I, I, went, I went back to this, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not even conflating the issue, this is how it starts. First they start by questioning, uh, qu you know, the people who want to initiate this change. There, there, is a, uh, there is a process to usurp society. There's a process um, to go through it. So the first thing you do is you choose something pretty much inconsequential. So the first thing they did was they started with, uh, with gender, gender identity. And they started that whole gender identity war. Uh, is there males? Is there females? Does anybody really have a gender? There's 100,000 genders. There's three genders. There's four genders, two genders, one gender, a million genders. They started that. And once that destabilized society to a point, then they continued. So then they continued. An a, a unpopular president got elected into office. And they started with the, um, with the bogus investigations of President Trump. So he was a Russian slave. He was a Russian spy. And then he was, uh, and then he was uh, uh, colluding with the Russians. Then he was colluding with the Ukrainians. Then he was uh, uh, all the millions of uh, scandals that Trump went through in the first year or first two years of his presidency. So that destabilized American society again. Then wait for a wait for a major event or, or minor event that you can make into a major event. Wait for some kind of catalyst event to happen. And then you spring into action next. So the next thing you do is um, George Floyd got killed by a police officer, and there's no question. It's been universally condemned by everybody. George Floyd was murdered by a police officer. That police officer has been arrested and will be put on trial. There's three police officers involved in George Floyd's murder. And God willing, hopefully, the justice system will prevail and these people will go to jail for a very long time. What they did was criminal, but it's not reflective of all the police forces. It's not reflective of, uh, it's not reflected, uh, reflective of all law enforcement everywhere. It's reflective of these three or four police officers. That's it. So you wait for an event like that, and then you take that event and try to destabilize society even more. So you notice that the, that the riots started... 
uh, in protest and grieving over George Floyd's murder. So this is where the riot started. Now where are they? Now they're at defund the police, de- abolish the police. Uh, I'm not going to use the word defund because uh, it's, it's a misnomer. It's abolish the police force. Now they're at abolish Senate, abolish Congress, uh, stop, uh, you know, destroy capitalism, rip down statues. Notice this has nothing to do with George Floyd anymore. Now suddenly the anger is not about George Floyd anymore. Now the anger is about, uh, now, now they've moved on to more destabilization of the, uh, of the government, of, of society. The only way to destroy society, to rip society down, is to destabilize society. The only way to stabilize society is to convince the population that the society they live in is evil. It's exactly what the Nazis did in Germany. They convinced society, they, they, they used groupthink to convince society that there is a uh, that there, there is vermin living amongst us and they have to be eliminated. This is why people who, who were friends for, for generations... Families who were friends for generations were turning each other in to be killed by the Nazis. Because groupthink took over. Rational thought went out the window. Group thought came in. And this is what happens when group mentality runs a country. It's a scary situation. This is why we have to keep thinking rationally. We have to keep looking at the situation and keep understanding that... The situation we're looking at isn't necessarily what's being fed to us by mass media, which is supposed to, which, which, is, which is designed to control the way the population thinks. That there's propaganda on both sides. There's propaganda on all sides. And with that propaganda and the fact that people who hear it on television believe it, that propaganda is what forms societal thought. It's what forms groupthink. So when CNN gets on, when, when, when pundits and talking heads on CNN get on for two years and call President Trump a Nazi and then edit, they edit a press conference he, he gave after a, Nazi, after a Nazi demonstration to make it look like he said that he was praising Nazis, which he wasn't. If you look at the raw footage, you look at the actual footage of that news conference, that is not what he said. But to now, two years, maybe three years later, now two, three years later, suddenly, uh, well, suddenly, the, the media is still repeating that lie. They're still repeating the lie. It's been exposed as a lie. The raw footage is out there. Anybody with a brain could watch it and understand that Donald Trump was not talking about Nazis when he said there were good people on both sides. Uh, you could listen to the question that was asked of him and the question he answered, and it wasn't what, the way CNN framed it. But at the end of the day, the media keeps repeating that he, he supports Nazis. And the population believes that he supports Nazis. Because that's what the media is saying. It's, it's mind-boggling. It really is. All right, so uh, another message off Facebook. But then you try to vilify Floyd by bringing up his past. Why is that vilification? If we are talking about a man who was murdered by the police... If we are talking about a man who was manhandled by the police, now he shouldn't have been murdered. Nobody's advocating being murdered. But if the man was manhandled by the police or treated roughly by the police, um, there, there might have been a reason for that. There might have been a reason for the man not being treated with kid gloves. You know, the police, the police look at your record. They, they pull you over. They take your identification. They look you up. And if they see that you have a criminal past, 
they may not treat you as nicely as they would treat, let's say, somebody with a clean past. And if you're a little aggressive and, uh, you know, there has been video that has been released that said uh, that shows that George Floyd was a little aggressive with the police, then they have the right to be a little aggressive with you. Now, do they have the right to murder you? Absolutely not. And nobody is saying that George Floyd was murdered, that the murder of George Floyd was justified. I haven't heard one pundit anywhere on any network on any side of the spectrum who have said that George Floyd deserved to be murdered. Nobody said that. Did he deserve to die over this traffic stop? Absolutely not. Did he deserve to die over passing a counterfeit $20 bill? Absolutely not. But uh, if, if he was rough with the police and the police were rough with him, that's, um, that's standard procedure. I mean, you know, the police have, you have no right to rough up the police and the police have no right to rough you up. But if you're going to be rough with the police, they're going to be rough with you. It's simple as that. Violence begets violence. Uh, and this is past relevant. Yeah, you're damn right it's relevant. You're damn right it's relevant. His past is definitely relevant. When you're talking about police brutality, and you're talking about uh, you're talking about criminality, the past of people who are involved in a in a in a in a, in a scuffle with the police, in this case it was a little more than a scuffle, but people who are involved in a, in an altercation with the police, yeah, their their past history is is extremely relevant. The guy at Wendy's who was on parole for being, well, he was not parole, he was released from prison because of COVID-19 for beating up his children and, uh, and abusing his wife. Uh, when the police approached him, they had that information. They knew he was on parole. And he was drunk and he was violent. If they didn't have that information, if his past wasn't relevant, and they didn't have the information that he was violent, that situation, I, I, he was killed at the end of the situation because he tried to shoot at the police with a taser. Uh, a deadly weapon in Georgia law. So he you know, he was in Georgia. He broke Georgia law. He used a deadly weapon upon police. Police used deadly force on him. But if if the police didn't have that information, then that whole twenty five minutes of uh, uh, of civil conversation might have been might have been a little different. Uh, he might have gotten aggressive earlier. I mean, the scuffle and everything else. I mean, the police knew what they were dealing with. And that's why, that's why background information is important. I don't understand why people always feel that when you point out the background of somebody who's involved in some kind of altercation with the police or some kind of altercation somewhere, that somehow that's attack on the entire nation of, uh, of whatever. It's not. It's a, it's, if you want to understand the full story, you have to understand the history of all the people involved in the full story. Is the, uh, is the you know, going by this comment that you've tried to vilify him, I didn't vilify anybody. Going by this comment is the past record of uh, uh, of of police altercations uh, with the police officers involved in this. Is that vilifying the police? Yes, it is. It's vilifying the same guy. If you want to use your logic, then the public should never have known that there were there were three or four other incidents where where this cop got violent with with people that he uh, that he was uh, involved with. Then you know why would that be relevant? We're talking about one case. Why would that be relevant? You're vilifying the cop. So come on, give me a break. You know, let's let's try to be consistent with our with our with our radical leftyism, okay? You know, so if you want to be a radical lefty or a radical righty, I, I don't mind. You could be you could sit on any poll you want to sit on. I don't care. But if you're gonna sit on one of these polls, at least be consistent with your with with your uh, with your radicalism. Be consistent with it. And, and the inconsistency is what you know, it drives me crazy because because it's hard to it's hard to have a conversation with people who are inconsistent with, uh, with their arguments. So, so, I mean, 
you have a political point of view, and you're trying to express your political point of view. I understand it, and not everybody's all that great at pl- expressing political point of views. That's that's good too. I mean, you know, that's fine. Uh, but if you're going to express a political point of view, be consistent with it. You know, stand by it. I respect people a lot more when they stand by it. But but be consistent. So if the if the if the background of the criminal was not relevant, then the background of the police is not relevant. You want equality. I've always argued for equity, because I think equity is more important than equality. But if if you're fighting for equality, then we have to treat everybody equal. So if one background's not relevant, the other one's not relevant. That's equality. Equity would be, well, the police are in are in a position of authority, therefore their background is much more relevant than the background of the of the criminal. Because if the police have a have a, if the police officer has a history of being violent against uh, suspects, then then maybe that police officer shouldn't be confronting suspects. See, that would be equitable, not equal, not not equal, equitable, right? Because it was only fair to look at the background of the cop if he's involved in the physical altercation with the uh, with, with a criminal, and then the background of the criminal doesn't really it's not really relevant. But if you're gonna look at one, you have to look at the other. It's equality. And everybody's yelling, equality, equality, equality. Well, if that's equality, then that's equality. Then let's look at the background of everybody. Let's treat everybody exactly the same. Equality right across the board. You're going to hate living in a world of equality. Because in a world of equality, there's always people who are much more equal than other people. Because that's the way equality works. I'd much prefer to live in an equitable world where equity rules inequality. Now, if you don't understand the difference, look it up. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show. Thank you so much for joining me. I will be back a little later on in the week. Until then, have a great week. We'll see you then.